0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor, Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist at American Enterprise Institute, senior fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And colleague of Christine Rosen's at the American Enterprise Institute, and our Washington commentary columnist, Matthew Continetti. Hi, Matt. Hi, John. Um, so uh interesting action on the woke culture war front that uh two democratic senators uh interestingly enough, of course, the two I guess most conservative democratic senators maybe, or uh one of uh, the most conservative democratic senator and the other uh having to run for reelection uh in a trump state uh that is Joe Manchin and John Tester uh, joined forces to push through, uh or you know, to help uh push through the Senate a bill uh how, how would you describe this? Um, to limit the reach of leg- of regulations uh at the, I think it's the labor Department uh that uh direct spending, Uh, or direct investment or ban investment at banks and institutions that are not following socially responsible investing policies. Uh, How does that, uh, let me just read through this, I'm sorry, it's the labor department, so I didn't even get the right department. Congress on Wednesday cleared a measure to block a Labor Department rule that allows retirement plan managers to incorporate climate and social considerations into their investment decisions. Setting up a veto fight with President Biden over an otherwise obscure regulation that has become a flashpoint in the culture wars. Uh, The vote was the latest piece of a broader Republican political strategy to portray Mr. Biden's policies as extreme liberalism run amok and to characterize his administration's actions as attempts to force progressive values into every uh, area of American life. This is a broader Republican political strategy as opposed to um, a fact. Because it is an effort to force progressive values into every, uh, into every area of American life. To uh, Because here's the, here's the quick thing. If you're a pension fund manager... If you are somebody whose purpose is to invest money to get the best return for your clients, uh, the idea is that you should invest money to get the best return for your clients. This rule allows these investment fund managers to direct investment of other people's money into political causes that they think are you know, good and noble and true and proper and to therefore downgrade the importance of returning of investment uh in favor of uh this social responsibility agenda um Can I also this is go ahead.
1: I was just going to add and they and we know it's political because the choices that are made are always always tend to be with the pet projects or the pet companies of the left versus the right. I'll give you an example. Oil and petroleum companies who are actually some of the largest investors in renewable energy. They spend a lot of money looking at renewable renewable energy sources. They are not going to get this ESG money. The ESG is going to go to, you know, solar firms, other other what sort of greenwashing of of companies that are bad oils, bad tobacco goes bad anything vice like a from the right is bad they're not going to invest in that and they were this was fine when the economy was doing better uh the the those esg type funds performed a little bit under but now they're really underperforming and so it is irresponsible particularly if you're talking about public pension funds uh for these investments to to use this as a as a political tool when in fact it's returning lower amounts of money to people who rely on those pensions
2: but i have no problem if if the client opts in to the woke fund Sure. Uh that that's of up course. to them, right. Yeah.
1: But of they don't course. get that option in a public pension right. fund. Right. Right.
0: I mean, anyone can invest in anything that they possibly want to. That's why this is a a pension fund issue because pension funds are of course I think by leagues the largest institutional investors in in, in the markets like uh, CalPERS, uh, which is the California Pension Fund. I think I said this yesterday, and I may may have this number wrong, but I think is the largest single institutional investor in the world. Um, And so, again, the purpose of investing, putting money somewhere so that uh, there is money to pay for people's retirements is to maximize return. If you introduce another element into that process – yeah, you can say, look, I I really I, you know, I don't want to invest in any company that, you know, like de, does, you know, like has, you know, does business with the government of China. But you're making a deliberate choice to put something before your maximization of return, and that is your individual personal choice. California Calpers is I don't know 20 million people, 15 million, I don't even know how many people I have money in Calpers. Maybe I'm, you know, over over the last 50 years, it could be 10-15 million people. And this is the federal government in the form of the labor department saying to pension fund managers, yes, go you go right ahead and you no longer have fiduciary responsibility to your clients. Your fiduciary responsibility is to our ideological agenda because of course we could flip this around and say not only is maximization of return what you're supposed to do if you're a financial manager working for private clients <clears throat> i could say uh that is socially responsible investing i want to strengthen and boost the capitalist system because i think it right, it's the it's the it's the fairest the freest and the most noble way to expand the market and uh, over the last 30 years, you know, a billion people have been lifted out of poverty because of the extension of Western-style market rules all over the planet, and that is socially responsible investing, and to do otherwise is, in fact, to harm people and harm the possibility of growth, which I genuinely believe, but, I mean, who's defining what socially responsible investing is here?
3: Larry Fink. black of black rock and uh this is what this story is about which is uh the republicans uh, are rallying around anti wokenism wokeism as the single unifying point for the gop conservative coalition in some ways taking the place of (laughs) anti-communism during the cold war now we all Conservatives may disagree on a variety of variety of issues, whether it's uh the size of the federal government, industrial policy, intervention overseas, but every conservative agrees that wokeism is bad. And so part of this anti-woke effort is to push back against the ESG trend in institutional investing, the par- the paragon of which is uh Larry Fink, the head of um BlackRock, which is this ginormous um, investment uh, fund. And so there's a pol- there's a political angle there. With the Republicans very effectively in the Senate are um, taking the ESG issue and uh, making gains with some help. And I think this is the other important factor in this story. The Senate passed the resolution, according to the uh, Stephanie Lai article in The Times, by a vote of 50 to 46 after two democrats, senators John Tester of Montana and Joe Manchin III of West Virginia joined every republican. Well, what's interesting about Tester and Manchin, they're both in cycle. They're yeah. both going to, they're up for re-election in 2024. We know that S- Tester has announced he will run for re-election. Uh, Manchin has not said uh, whether he will run for, he said, re-election. "I'll
1: be involved." Whatever vague, yeah. he's leaving it open. Statement. But
3: he yeah. also has said that he no longer identifies as a Democrat. His pronouns are not Democrat any longer; they are American. That's how about he... this
0: flop? How about this? How about a how about a classic Delaware job trade? He goes back to West Virginia and goes back to his job as governor. Yeah. While Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia, becomes the senator. Right. I mean, you I could think that may well a, happen voluntarily or not. We're not sure. <laughs> but the- I know, but you could have a grand deal here where, oh, yeah. you know, he clears the decks for justice and basically makes makes sure that. I mean, if who? I, anyway, I'm just saying like that's a Del, it's, Delaware, it's always like, OK, you're the congressman. Now I'll be the senator. And then if I get into trouble, you can be the senator. We I'll be the switch. congressman or maybe I'll become the governor. I don't know. There are three of us in Delaware and four of us. And we all have the same jobs for 40 years. So what this point,
3: te- what this ahead. tells you just briefly is yeah. that for all of the griping that you see in the media about you know, Republicans pouncing, on, on woke is a Republican, the Washington Post story from the other week. Republicans don't even know what woke means. They don't know what it means. They haven't done the research. They haven't done the work. They don't even know what it means. So you see in the media, oh, you know, Republicans, this is silliness. This is vaporware. I don't know. It's not silliness to Tester and Manchin. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know? that, They're pretty that's... smart politicians. They think they understand that they have to be on the right side of this if they want another six years in the Senate.
1: The other sign that people actually understand this more than than the mainstream media might want them to, um, including moderates and, and even moderate Democrats, is the way that is the reaction that was given to this to this challenge to the ESG reg. So Schumer is arguing this. This is a classic sort of left move, which is they do something kind of unilaterally like try to insist that public pension fund investors invest in ESG stuff. And then when there's a, when, when Republicans notice and react, it's Republicans are trying to shove their views down your throat by right. removing this thing that we were shoving down your throat. And that yeah. part of it is that that played out beautifully. And for those of us who follow those cyclical episodes.
2: I mean, it seems to me like something more um dire um, than, than, than just a sort of ideological battle here. It's like a, you get down to it; it's it's almost like a a breach of contract issue here. I mean, if 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 these are if you're supposed to be investing, uh, uh to do to do your client good for foremost solely, um, it's almost like you're diverting funds to a cause uh, instead.
0: Let's talk about how that would work. So let's say. Uh, you are a cal- Again, you're a person in a, in a pension fund, and the pension fund just has a mammoth return. Now, granted, that's not necessarily going inter- to return more money to you individually in the form of a dividend, whatever. But whole point is, your pension fund is healthy. It gives you the money back when you retire. You give the money to green causes. You give the money to socially responsible investing that boosts Black Lives Matter. Not the pension fund. The pension fund shouldn't be in a position of investing money in private companies based on their political coloration. That's where the maximization of investment comes in. And this whole thing is a hedge. That whole idea, the fiduciary responsibility of the manager to maximize your gain is to give you more choice. To and 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 to make sure that this doesn't happen all the time, which it would, uh, you know, if you're right. uh, suddenly, let's say, this was the 1960s and the Catholic Church, then at the height of its political powers, decided it wanted to, you know, make arguments and push cases about how the pension funds in the individual states, well, it, or even large private investment funds were going to spend their. We're, we're going to invest their money based on Catholic religious precepts like that is you can see how it right now it could be that the investing is going in this, you know, in this leftist direction. But, you know, if the Natcons took over, it could go in an entirely different direction.
1: Well, and it's similar to the cases that were brought by members of of uh, labor unions when their unions were were their dues were being used to. Uh, fund political campaigns. Right now, unions are not allowed to do that. So they form PACs, and the PACs are what give to, to political campaigns, all largely Democratic political campaigns. But it took a series of challenges to this idea that if you're if you're in a union and, and you're in an industry where you really need to be in the union to, to negotiate salary, and uh, your union is staunchly Democratic, you happen to be a Republican, all your money's going to go to Democratic candidates, and you don't have a choice in that matter. Those cases took a while to resolve, but they did get resolved. And we did have to establish new norms around whether or not... Not the money that you are kind of compelled to give or decide to give to something like an investment fund, it's a similar idea. Like you should have some say in where that goes. It shouldn't go towards it, things that you're ideologically opposed to. It, or it, no, it's no one stuff. should have a say.
0: Or no one should have a say in this sense, which is that, yeah, you don't want it to go to the I, grant. I, okay. I'm talk, not talking about like whether or not your money goes to elect Democratic candidates, but you don't want money to go to the, you know, to companies in China that are oppressing the Uyghurs. But somebody else doesn't want the money to go to somebody, a company that invests in fracking. So what you have is a standoff. And so you don't you don't use this form of calculation at all.
3: Right. I mean, it's not a form of calculation. Yeah. ESG is a means of instituting public policy through private means. This is I mean, this is why it's so kind of insidious. It's, the goals of ESG, uh, the main goal, which we haven't even talked about, is net zero. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about ending the carbon-based energy economy that is the foundation for the economic prosperity of the West. And by the way, social stability. Right. Um, they want to end that because Greta Thunberg is you know, she just uh, locked herself next to a Giacometti sculpture in the Louvre. And so we have to now change the basis of Western civilization. Of an angry um, Swedish teenager, right? Well, you know, we don't so, have to so change that, it now, so this Matt. Net zero according was the Biden, first goal.
0: According to Biden, we're, we do we ten have more ten years. years with ten years. <laughs> we'll <it> obviously <laughs> yeah. be using gas.
2: For
0: well, I loved ten how he years, thought that would reassure
3: Genug. He thought that would reassure the Republicans. Yeah, I know it was yeah. like, no, ten no, no. no. Years. Well, we need ten more years. <laughs> anyway, so the goal is net zero, which, by the way, is a completely utopian goal. I've I've talked to people who are involved in the anti-ESG campaign. They 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 tell me the money managers know we're never going to get to net zero you can you can't do it especially when china is, continues to build coal plants at an incredible rate so that's the main goal it's, it wants to it, it wants to institute these progressive policy objectives not through the political process and what's fascinating is as the as the progressive left has lost power in the judiciary which was the main way that they were able to institute their agenda. They've now switched to the, the institutions where they do have um, a considerable amount of power in today's world, which, which is the corporate boardroom, right? And so they're gonna take it. Now what's what's again insidious about it is the, the private sector is by nature supposed to be independent of political consideration, right? So we have to fight it on, on that basis. Um, but, but what's interesting is, you know, we, we may I think the anti-ESG campaign is making significant gains. I just want to quote from this interview from Tim Buckley, who is the CEO of Vanguard, which is another huge institutional investor. And he told the Financial Times recently, quote, our research indicates that ESG investing does not have any advantage over broad-based investing. And Vanguard does a lot of mutual funds. Um, And so he withdrew Vanguard from the $59 trillion Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative, an organization that is part of the $150 trillion, and I'm now reading from a Wall Street Journal write-up, United Nations-affiliated Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero. So one, kudos to Mr. Buckley, great last name. Two, you see the, the, the amount of power, financial power that can be leveraged now in pursuit of these utopian and left-wing goals, which does make it serious, a a serious threat, I think. And, and, and is the, the reason for this considerable backlash. Um, But, but I, I, the, the pushback from the Senate is of of a piece, I think um, of moves like uh, Mr. Buckley's that we might be reaching a point where the ESG campaign um, faces serious setbacks.
0: Well, let's talk a little about the, you know, sort of the, the woke politics because this week or last week or whatever was the point at which the state of Florida took over the uh, public district that Disney uh, had um arranged for itself uh, in and around Disney World, um following this battle over the uh supposed don't say gay bill. Last year and uh, this is something that has made uh, conservatives, certain conservatives very uneasy that you know, Ron DeSantis and Republicans in Florida took out against Disney uh, for expressing its political opinion uh, why shouldn't it have the rights to say what it wants to say that you know, retaliation by government is outrageous and all of that. And I, I take that argument seriously. And there is something potentially unnerving about the idea that there are going to be these direct confrontations between, you know, entities and pe- maybe even people who express opinions that are counter to the, you know, to the prevailing consensus of the elected officials in any given state or municipality or nationally. But um, the Reedy Park District was a benefit was a public benefit given to a private company that was supposedly, and I'm sure it was a mutual advantage to both, right? Like, so Disney did what it had to do without having to go and sort of beg for rights to put in a water pipe somewhere or do whatever here or there. Um, and, And so it had its advantage because it meant that it could sort of work its will on this acreage and florida's advantage was that a private company was paying for all this stuff and they didn't have to you know visit it upon have a whole process where they visited it upon taxpayers um but that doesn't it's still the case that this one company got a very specific benefit with the implicit understanding that It wasn't going to flex its muscles against the politicians in the state. Like, it was a kind of compact, a half-century compact, that it was going to get what it was going to get, and it was going to, even though it's the largest employer in Florida and this and that, it was going to sort of, like, keep its distance because it was getting its benefit already. And it breached that compact it changed the rules and you understand so there was an internal fight at disney woke people at disney wanted the company to to stand up there was this new ceo who didn't have control of his company who was who was much less slick and and clever about how to handle these issues than his predecessor and said he wasn't going to do it and then got you know and then because he hadn't established his uh, hegemony over his own company reversed field and said he would, and then, you know, uh, I'm sure having made private assurances to DeSantis and to people, Republicans in the state, that he would not, and then he reversed field because he was, he, Bob Chapik, now ousted at Disney, was terrified for his own future. Not because he believed in the don't say, or he did or he didn't. I mean, who cares what he thought? He was reacting to certain types of pressure on him that led him to believe that there was going to be no consequence to him doing what he did. And I, I look at this and I say that, okay, well, we'll see how it goes now. Cause Florida is now in, now in charge of the Reedy park district. And we'll see how that functions when, you know, Disney needs more energy for its Tron, you know, when it needs some kind of power boost for its Tron ride, which is opening in a couple of months. But there is this idea abroad that uh, I just think in general, that liberals can say and do anything. They can break compacts. They can break rules. They can change the rules of the game and any effort to stand up against this principle, which is that the end, their ends justify the means is is illegitimate and
3: i I think desantis did a pretty good job of explaining his actions in yesterday's wall street journal he had an op-ed there um of course this is coinciding with the the launch of his book um and kind of the um uh the slow rollout of his presidential campaign this week but uh look he said you know um he talked about facing challenges at uh, disney the controversy Uh, He talked about ESG in this op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. He said, you know, um, uh, uh, one, he mentions the two things that have kind of changed the nature of the relationship between business and the Republican Party. The first thing he says is that, uh, quote, groups of employees at some corporations want their employer to reflect their own political values. And such employees aren't a majority, but they are loud and militant, quote unquote. This is absolutely true. This is the case across all workplaces. This is a huge problem for American society, in my humble opinion. Um, because that was not the way I was brought up. <laughs> I was brought up: if you're a junior employee, you do your job. You want to impress your boss, you go on. Today, the the norm is: if you're a junior employee, you kind of uh, nod while your boss gives you directions, and then you go complain about him on Slack, which which may have been one of the worst in <laughs> devices ever created in human history. Uh, the, the second the second thing that DeSantis says. The second thing that's changed this relationship is power. So he says, you know, uh, a a traditional corporate executive may have power within the company, but a woke CEO, he says, can use the corporate bully pulpit to exert influences over society. And this is especially true amid the push for environmental, social, and governance responsibility in corporate America. ESG is what we've been talking about. Um, And he says, in this environment, and I think here's the core uh, graph, In this environment, DeSantis writes, old guard corporate republicanism isn't up to the task at hand. Old guard corporate republicanism. Interesting choice of words. For decades, he says, GOP elected officials have campaigned on free market principles. I mean, that's kind of an exaggeration. But he goes on, governed as corporatists, supporting subsidies, tax breaks, and legislative carve-outs to confer special benefits on entrenched corporate interests. Now, and he's going to change that. What this says to me is, The the anti-woke anti-ESG campaign is in some ways a continuation of the anti-cronyism campaign that conservatives have been waging for decades, right? So it's not actually that big a change in this regard, which is why I I had no problem with DeSantis's move against Disney because he was removing a corporate subsidy right which is exactly what we're supposed to be against but that's
2: Um, but that's in his framing um there are people out there on the right that favor something like cronyism in in a different direction
0: yeah they favor it as long as the the the, the cronies are their cronies but i mean there there isn't there's there's an injustice in that last paragraph not to not to republicans and old guard republicans but um I'll give you an example of how this works at the municipal level by the way, at the federal the national level, this is much less true uh particularly after after the banning of earmarks and various other things because that was sort of how cronyism functioned in Washington was people got little things stuck into bills uh, to benefit their company or benefit you know, written in very clever, vague ways so that there was only a benefit would accrue only to one business or one type of business but but that has much been much less the case over the last i don't know 20 25 years but um so what a Republicans stand what have republicans historically stood for the last 40 years what have they stood for in terms of large-scale economic policy Tax cuts and deregulation. Those are those are sort of the two things economically. And what is the nature of those? They're broad-based, right? They affect everybody. Uh, there's a lot of this that goes on at the state and local level with, debt, with, with blue state governance, okay? The famous blue. But the tax cutting and things like that are individual. They are private deals where, say, a company says... Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move to North Carolina. And then they and the governor sit down and do this, and the governor says, I'm giving you a giant tax break. You know, me and the state legislature are going to get together, give you your business a giant. I've saved 10,000 jobs for my state, uh, and that's how I'm going to do it. And and it's explicit, like it is, I sat down with Corporation X We did X, Y, and Z. We're giving them X, Y, and Z benefit. They're staying here. Or, you know, those negotiations over Amazon's new cities and things like that, they go and they walk around and they say, okay, give me your offer. What are you going to do for me so that I place my my new facility here in New York or in Virginia, wherever it's going to be? Those are tax cuts. Or deregulate deregulatory policies, they just affect one thing. And the point about that is you got to go as the corporate person and you got to go bend the knee. You got to go make the personal deal. You got to give the governor or mayor or whatever. You got to give his taste. You got to let him take credit uh, and then you'll get what you want to get. That's the anti-cronyism stuff. Matt, that is something that is anathema to conventional old guard Republican philosophy. Now, it's not anathema to Republican governors across the country or even mayors who have to live in reality and are fighting other states that are providing these benefits or gains to other such uh, companies. But theoretically... There is an answer to this kind of thing, and that answer is the economic policy that the Republican Party has tended to follow, which is not to provide individual benefits to individual businesses or individually, um, how would you describe it, favored, newly favored industries, you know, electric cars, batteries, Solyndra. All that kind of thing, you know, it's super fun cleanup. How you know th- that's how Republicans say, cut everybody's taxes. Uh, and that's how you that's how you do this more more properly. So I think it's a, it's a it's a ga- th- this corporatism is much more democratic than it is Republican. It's not woke Democratic. it's not progressive Democratic, to be fair. it is Clinton democratic. It is Cuomo Democratic. You know, it's it's that kind of Democratic. It is incredible footsie with corporations. It is Wall Street loving Clinton. It is that kind of thing. But that's, I think, where... That's DeSantis's temptation to use this kind of rhetoric, which essentially is a form of unilateral... It is accepting the nonsense, you know, liberal progressive arguments, caricatures of actually how republicans or conservative philosophy feels about the relation between government and business i think that is a concession he should not be making even if it makes you know some people in the josh hawley wing feel good
3: about themselves well it, i mean it's how he's walking that line right because yeah. because the walk the the rhetoric is as you say a concession toward kind of the you know um the new right and their criticism of uh, so-called zombie reaganism uh, but but again, I just go back to the actual policy with re- with reference to Disney, and that was actually that's textbook conservatism, yeah. which is we don't want the tax code to play favorites, we don't want to that we don't want cronyism, and so he removed it. Now you know the circumstances were a little bit unusual, and that's part of our new uh, hyperpartisan tribalist era era, I think. But yeah. um, it shows you how he's he's balancing, I think, between outreach to the new right, trying to get them in his corner, trying to get some of the MAGA vote in his corner, while also, I think, still maintaining a connection to the longer traditions of
2: conservatism within the Republican Party. It's well, what I, he tried to do on Ukraine less effectively. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he, well, that's, he, walking the line is well, really... Well, when, I'll, when I'll bet you, Abe, that when he writes his... Wall Street Journal
3: op-ed on Ukraine. It'll be a little bit more elegantly stated right. than his off-the-cuff answer in this, the diner at this, Fox and Friends. When did when did Fox and Friends just go? To, they just everything is now at the diner. <laughs> everything. Well, you know, it's, it's like the other diner. Do the show.
0: Uh, you know, um, it, it's fantastic because it's it, it's the new version of the shoe leather reporting. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I... David Broder walking around Macomb yeah. County, Or Tom Friedman's on doors. cab. Tom Friedman, Friedman has
3: calves. Tom, David yeah, Broder's it's, it's, walking Fox around the neighborhood. Fox and Fred's. Yeah. You got to. Where's the diner? Where's the nearest <laughs> diner? That's how we're going to figure out what's on the mind of Fox News viewers today. Can I just well, add on the DeSantis? It's wrong because
0: there's only one state where diners matter politically, and that's New Jersey. Like, it's okay if Fox <laughs> yeah. were based in New <laughs> well, Jersey. Well, well, all New Jersey politics is conducted in diners, but it's that is conveniently not the located state. across the river from
3: where Fox is based. Maybe that's why. There they go, go to the diners so often yeah, that's true
1: i just want to throw in there on the desantis point especially given what abe correctly said about ukraine um he's he's trying to nationalize what he's been very successful as a governor doing in florida which is he 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 does he has perfected a way of talking about domestic policy while governing in a way that the vast majority of voters in that state who aren't all concerned not all of whom are concerned with the anti-woke stuff want to see results and he he did that brilliantly with the covid policies but and it's a little harder with some of the other domestic policy issues but I think he does get into trouble when he tries to thread that needle with foreign policy and that will be something he definitely has to think about if he takes a national stage here
0: I want to uh since we're since we got into DeSantis which is I think my fault. Uh, uh, let let let's let's go into some rank presidential punditry, as 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 Jonah would say. Even though you know it's like we're literally a year from anybody voting in the primary, or a little less than a year from anybody voting in the primaries. Um, so two two interesting data points. One, DeSantis' book come out has come out, and apparently it is a raging success, which is very very unusual. For these presidential prep books, like everybody produces them, everybody, you know, publishing houses publish them, and they don't sell. And this one apparently is selling like hotcakes, according to my friend, Eric, Eric Nelson, uh, who is a a book, book editor and publisher, uh, selling like crazy. Uh, That's very unusual. Uh, and it indicates the level of interest in him. Now, remember, book sales are, you know, a really good week in book sales is 50,000. So it's not like we're talking about scales of the tens of millions, but it's an indication of something. And it comes at an interesting moment because, of course, what we are seeing in polling is a Trump surge. Uh, Three or four polls have Trump up again. A couple of them have him up by 20 points. That just indicates that these numbers are incredibly soft you can go from like 30 to 50 or down to 20 or whatever you know like that just means it's all very very soft but i want to highlight something that our friend uh, rich lowry said yesterday and i just give me a second to find it i'm sorry um rich uh did did a, you know, did a column on Trump and the Trump surge in which he said the following. The disinclination to engage with Trump at all, meaning by other Republicans, brings back memories of 2016. It's a temporary dynamic. That's one thing. If it's another prisoner, if it's a temporary dynamic, that's one thing. If it's another prisoner's dilemma among the non-Trump candidates waiting for someone else to take him on, it's repeating the same mistake and expecting a different result. Uh, to the man or the lady, as the immortal, immortal Rick Flair said, you've got to beat the man. Trump may indeed be beatable, but the latest polling shows him squarely in the way of anyone who wants to take over the party he's dominated for seven years and counting. And this is what happened last week is very simple. It shows how easily Trump could probably just take walk into the nomination because he's got a year. It's easy, but it's not easy for him. He just. Has to not talk about 2020. He just has to talk about what's going on now. So what did he do last week? He went to East Palestine. Walked around. He bought the McDonald's. He wore the hat. He said it's very bad that they're not paying enough attention to you. Think how easy that was. It was like nothing. He didn't, have, didn't make policy. He didn't say this. He didn't say that. He is set up to take that nomination unless it is taken away from him. Well, or if, unless, yeah.
3: so, or, or unless he goes back on Twitter. It's but not like Trump thing. isn't, right, but okay. it's not like Trump yeah. isn't talking. He's talking on Truth social every day. Mm-hmm. And what he's posting on Truth social is, you know, it's mainlining Trump craziness, right? right. It's, it, and it is talking about 2020 and it's okay. talking about, right. you know, whatever it, but here's the thing. No reporter is on Trump, Truth social. Yeah. Right. The, the network effect of Twitter meant that Trump's tweets on Twitter have such enormous power over the media, which he lacks on true social. Because unless you're a reporter dedicated to following every nook and cranny of Trump or you're part right. of either the ultra MAGA crowd or the crowd that is, you know, the never the group of anti-Trump people who are just that's the yeah. only thing that matters or you're fixated on on whatever yeah. he does and says you're not paying attention to true social so one what he says there is not amplified and two um the what people do see are the kind of well rehearsed or not well rehearsed but well planned uh, events that his new campaign team right. are laying out now the east palestine visit was, uh, I mean, that was like low-hanging fruit politically. Yeah. And you know what? Trump is a savvy guy. He's got a shrewd political mind. And he took that low-hanging fruit when, in a way that Biden has not. Biden is still yeah. screwing up. And Buttigieg looked like an idiot when he went. So so that's good. Um, one test of Trump and whether he can you know, keep it together, that's, remember his famous words in the final days of 2016, where he was joking at a rally that his advisors kept saying, keep it together, Donald, just keep it together, right? Yeah. And of course, his problem is he can't keep it together for that long. Will he be able to keep it together this weekend at CPAC, for example, right? Will he go in there? Will he give one of yeah. the policy speeches with, of course, his Trump ad libs, which people tend to like, or will he just start ranting and raving about um, right. 2020 or about whatever? I mean, that or that's, that's so the question. So you're saying... That only Trump, that Trump can defeat Trump. In other words, I'm yeah. saying oh, there well, is I'm a Trump. One, you see, I'm, I'm saying yes, but yeah. that's. But I'm also saying I have another follow up, okay. which is yeah. the camp. We're not going to know how this works until the debates, right. and the first debate is planned for August, and then you're going to have on the stage, and it will be mm-hmm. so. What what it seems to me, a lot of the candidates are doing, and Desantis is doing is replicating Brian Kemp's strategy during the 2022 primary cycle. Donald Trump t- tried to knock Brian Kemp off from the nomination for governor. He tried to get his secretary of state. He went to war against the Republican Party. He Donald Trump hates Brian Kemp, and he would lob verbal uh, boulders that you know catapult verbal boulders at Brian Kemp again and again and again and throughout it all Kemp said nothing and if he was asked about it he would just shrug his shoulders and say I'm trying to do my job now that's what DeSantis is doing now the question is will he be able to maintain that at a debate
2: no and I, and I I would say um if he waits until August to change tact, to 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 go from standing on his record um to actually coming at Trump directly, that'll be too late. Um I th- I think it's I think it's a, a good I think he's done extremely well, DeSantis, with the strategy so far. Um and he, because he's got what no one else has, which is this extraordinary well publicized record that he can um Kind of try to universalize ar- around the country, um, but he's going to have to. I think we're we're, we're maybe getting to the point where he's 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 going to have to. And that's and very
3: dangerous. That's very right. dangerous because the second you try to hit him back, he will hit you back ten times harder and with the real personal stuff. And but-
1: DeSantis hasn't made an announcement yet, though. He also could be waiting to find. Yeah, right. I mean, he could do a version of that in his announcement and then move on from it. Like I mean, right. it. There are lots but of my options. My point is,
0: my point is that Trump has offered a blueprint over the last two weeks into how he can walk into the nomination in twenty twenty four, and we should not that should not be underestimated. Uh, and it's now up to him to look at the order of battle and say, you know. This is actually the way I win. The people who like me are going to like me and know that I, you know, I may, I'm president, then I can be nasty again on Twitter every day. Um, if I could just win over some of these other people, just, you know, 10% of them who, who, who have turned away from me, I can kind of, you know, slide in and. I'm just back in the mode of saying if Republicans don't understand that at some point, I don't know when that is. And Abe says it's too late if it's June. I don't know if that's true.
2: They're going to have to beat him. But, John, I just want to say there's a risk in inferring too much from the past two weeks because East Palestine is tailor made for Trump. Um, That was it's it's unique in that sense. Mm -hmm. It's his people with a gripe yeah. who joe biden has completely blown off yeah. so there there was a there was a a, a a a a red carpet you know waiting for him to show right. up and do what he did that doesn't happen every week
0: absolutely right but um just think about what we started the show with okay it's too complicated it's a labor department loosening of a regulation that would allow pension managers to invest money in socially responsible funds okay so that's whatever uh what if mr department of energy luggage stealing cross dresser if that issue came out in september Uh, It's not as though the Biden administration isn't going to turn over in the same way that the Trump administration did. (laughs) Wacko, bizarro, regs, legislation, individuals, Rachel Levine at the Department of Health and Human Services, all of that, going to give him a field day in his East Palestine mode. I think you can't depend on that. You don't know what it's going to be. It's all a question of whether or not you exploit it in the right way at the moment that you exploit it. But it's not as though the Biden administration, the Biden White House is very controlled. But there are, what is it? There are 14 cabinet departments. Who the hell knows what's, what, what pops up and when and where? And if it's not about him, this is the key. If it's about other things, somebody else, Liberal depredations, uh, liberal seizures of power—all of that—he is uniquely well suited in the in the eyes of Republicans to be the combative person. Now, DeSantis looks good
3: too, but Trump's in the lead. So d- d- that's that's all I'm saying. I and think. he's been in the lead. I mean, this is the other thing. Yeah. It's like it hasn't really been a Trump that it, I wrote about the Trump comeback in January yeah. because yeah. I believe after the midterms. Uh, he was at a low point. The the campaign launch, no one yeah. really paid attention to. He does seem to be, even in the visit to East Palestine, I will say he does seem older, I think, oh, yeah. than he did even a year ago, really. And
0: by the way, engaging on that is part of what I'm talking about. Well, like, and
3: I think they will have, have to go with Trump and say you DeSantis are too old Haley, to be president. All of them. Yeah, yes, yes, I mean, he's still Trump. I mean, he doesn't seem old the way that Biden does, but no. he does. i just watching him in some of these public appearances, he does seem—he's you know, getting up in years. Um, yeah. The uh, what Desantis has to worry about, though, is this education gap in the party, which we're yeah. seeing in all these polls. I mean, because Desantis is in a weird place because he's kind of right now—he's built up a huge following on Fox. He has a lot of the NatCon New Right in his corner. And then he has in the polls, I mean, the NACON new right doesn't show up in the polls, but among actual, you know, the majority of Republicans, he has the support of college educated Republicans who probably probably voted for Trump twice, but in the aftermath of the 2020 election, January 6th, the 2022 midterms, believe it's time to move on. And DeSantis is the guy to move on to because of his record, because he's, um, he's a more... Um, He's a more articulate uh, communicator than Trump is in some ways. I mean, Trump is visceral, emotional. Mm -hmm. That's not DeSantis. DeSantis is hyper articulate um, and speaks fast and everything. The problem is the Republican Party now is a heavily non-college educated party. And Trump has such high margins among non-college educated voters. I saw one statistic this morning that among Republicans without a high school degree, Trump leads by like 75 percent, Yeah, you know, and there's not an insignificant number of Republicans these days who lack a high school degree. Right. But, yeah.
1: the, but the attack on DeSantis as an elitist, which there have been some efforts by the, by Trump to do that. Those have not landed. Those have just not stuck. Right. And I don't think they will like on a debate stage because DeSantis doesn't come across as, you know, kind of a polished guy. I, I do think that that. Um, he has a he has a way to reach those non-college educated voters, which, again, it, it speaks to, he, you know, he can even turn to Trump and say, you know, all his criticisms of the elite are right. But I actually fixed the problem. I mean, he's he just did something this week on crime. He He's posted Florida has lowered its crime rate, unlike a lot of blue areas of the of the country he also is going after judges for releasing you know violent felons who go back out and commit terrible there's a terrible right. murder in florida so he's like okay why what what's happening here let's fix this right. process He, so, he can, can also well
0: yeah go
2: ahead i'm sorry he, he can also say who's the elitist here me uh, who served this country or the yeah. the, the billionaire the who the prime you served this country my right. dad installed cable
0: boxes yeah. yeah you
3: know i don't think that works i, I don't know. think you can out uh, you know, populist, working class populist. Trump, out right. Because <laughs> there's one thing true. everyone knows about Donald Trump is that he is not a member of the elite. I He mean, loves <laughs> McDonald's. You know, no, he's just rich. He's, just, he's, he's just rich, but rich, that's yeah. not how he comes across. I, it's an
1: amazing thing that he has rebranded himself well, as a populist. He's well,
3: he he has has always it. been that way, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, and, he has always but, but, been a Christine poor person's
0: idea of a rich person.
3: Yeah, right. I mean, Christine's point is, I think, well taken in that One vulnerability no one's been discussing because, you know, we are, you know, rightfully obsessed about the pandemic and the fallout from the pandemic and what we've been learning about the government's, um, awful policies during the pandemic, um, is the, what Tom Cotton called the jailbreak policy, criminal justice reform. I think that is a huge vulnerability from Trump for Trump. And I think that that is a place where DeSantis could go if he wanted to, um, on the offensive, um. But, but, you know, you'll have to do it at some point. And I think that, I think the point will be at the debates I mean, we have a long time to go, yeah. but at the same time, you know, of course that doesn't stop Trump from going on the attack now no. and you have to, you do have to worry to, to what Abe is saying. Like, uh, if he softens the ground already before the debate begins and he's already in the lead. Yeah you know what 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 opportunities will arise uh for well, DeSantis also or fixing the other legal candidate. problems so, though
1: the legal problems
3: well come there's one well, yeah with
0: yeah that's true and but again that's not anything you shouldn't count on you know you can't count on that but that could also say, benefit him right. with the market. i don't think doesn't. so i i i genuinely don't think so i don't think that this that you know i i'm, I'm skeptical of that but I don't think it'll help him. I mean, it may, it may be something he can neutralize the effect of, but I don't think it's going to, you know, provide any kind of an accelerant. I do think that if there is a idea abroad in the heads of the people who work on Desantis's campaign or Nikki's campaign or whoever's campaign, that they are not going to have to take him down, then... You know they're living in a they're living they're they're deluding themselves. This is going to have to be taken away from him. He's already showing over the last month that he has a way of stabilizing and ballasting him himself. His indiscipline and his monomania and all of that may shake him off that you know foundation, Um, but uh, it it's not going to happen organically. It just isn't. And so they better prepare themselves because he's there. And as Rich said, as I've been saying, you know, like you have to go at the man. If you want to win a race, you have to beat the other person. (laughs) You know, if you're if, you know, that's not even like an analogy to, you know, sports. You know. If there are six people in a race, the person who comes in first wins and you have to beat the other people and it, you, you don't, you know, th- this is, this is, I think the comedy of the lane idea, which is, yeah, okay, you're in your lane, you stay in your lane and then you just run really a lot faster than, than, than the other guy as long as you stay in your lane. That's insane. That's not the way it works. Like he's there. He's the 800-pound gorilla. He's not uh, he's not going anywhere. And he is showing more flexibility as a as a as a public figure than I would have thought possible. Now, when things start to get more hairy, then things like has he lost a couple of steps? You know, Uh, you know, is he, does he look old compared to the other people in the, room? and he is going to, that's the one thing, but you're going to have to tell
3: people to look there. I mean, he does have one thing that others, the others don't. And, um, that's a sense of humor, you know, because I think he said, I think in reaction to Nikki Haley's made, um, you know, made up, made some ground with her call for cognitive tests for politicians over 75, uh, Trump is like, sure, I'll take it. And I yeah. can just, you know, I'm picturing the riff in my head right now about how he does the tests. They're really, he did it as president. He went on a riff in some of the rallies where he's like, these tests are really hard. Yeah, Like they ask you five numbers and you have to remember all five. And, you know, but I passed, of course I passed it. You know, I, so I just picture that right now. And a sense of humor is not something I associate with Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I haven't really right. seen that yet. Yeah, that would be the good. The weirdest for that to come thing out, about so. Trump,
0: the weirdest thing about Trump is, I don't think he has a sense of humor. What he has is this bizarre, borscht belt Rat Pack style filtered through his Queen's Outerborough, you know, Methodism. It's kind of an affect. It's not. That he's actually right. funny. It's, I don't actually. It's an think affect he's that funny. other people find funny, though. Yeah, but I'm just including saying, me because yeah, Funny. It's so funny that even when it's done to a certain level of incompetence, it's still better than having nothing.
1: It's why uh, his cameos in movies throughout the 80s and 90s were so hilarious because he was always just himself doing a kind of ex- extreme version of that, and and you know, it worked in many different settings. I mean, yeah
0: remember him singing green acre there was this he was at the emmys and he he and i don't know somebody else they did the green acres theme song like you know i'm not saying that that's the dignified way we want our presidents to be but yeah
3: there's got to be some something to connect to well it's narcissism taken to such an absurd level (laughs) that normal people I have to laugh i mean i think that's always be, been yeah. my reaction it's like it's exactly. so overpowering that you're yeah. like what yeah what and i mean he's not that's,
1: trying to be yeah. cool like like i think obama no, and the, now Biden. that's the
0: ultimate truth the he's ultimate thing about cool. him is that he is like vegas entertainers like the big they're entertainers in vegas you've never heard of or they used to be i don't even i've been in vegas in years but like jeff dunham the the impressionist and puppeteer uh, or uh, this guy Danny Gans who died. The whole thing about them was they were brilliant. imitated. They had brilliant skills and all of that, but what they weren't was hip. They were the opposite of hip. They were corny. They were sentimental. They were patriotic. They were this, they were that. That is exactly the realm uh, that, 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 that trump is in and of course because he's old also it doesn't make him look like a fuddy-duddy to be that kind of person if desantis at the age of 45 says you know like i won't let my children watch because that's you know then he might look kind of like a stick in the mud but well to to the former president who appeared in playboy videos yes you know yeah and wrestling yeah anyway uh, the whole point is he's still there and he's still there and he's not going anywhere and he's the person to beat then he if you had to if you actually had a hundred dollars or if you had a million dollars and you had to bet whether it was trump or desantis and you had no choice i bet trump right now i mean if you had to if you had to do it by 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 midnight tonight i would bet trump but I'm always wrong, by the way. So if, if you yeah, don't I'm want, yeah, I'd want to
1: do that, I'd, I'd want to do the responsible <laughs> ESG style investing and put my money on DeSantis. <laughs> right. so. Okay.
0: Anyway, we got to go. We'll be back tomorrow for uh, Matt, Christine and Abe. I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle bright.